Father, thank you for your, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your unending favor, and just your long-suffering with us. Thank you for the joy that you give us. Thank you for the laughter. Thank you, Lord, that we uh, have a hope that is in you. And, and Lord, thank you that you are our deliverer. You're the one who rescues us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would uh, just hold on to that this morning as we spend some time looking at different scriptures and talking about what it means to be delivered from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. So the seventh petition is deliver us from evil. What does it mean? Well, we pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would would rescue us from evil from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. So it's kind of important for us, I like that, that it's it's not just a momentary deliverer from moment to moment, it's also the ultimate delivery of evil when we're away from these bodies and this world that is against us, right? And we're in the very presence of Christ. So it's, it's, a, it's a now, but then also then prayer, which is really good for us to understand because I think that sometimes we get too caught up in now and we forget that, that there's, a, there's a then that's coming or what we call um, now, but not yet. We live in the now, but not yet. So yes, is the kingdom of heaven present among us? Yes, it is now, but it's not fully realized yet, right? So we live in this, this tension between the two. So let's look at 1 Peter 5, 8, and we are, we're going to say, what are we acknowledging in this petition? 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a warm lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay. So what is that telling us in relation to this deliver us from evil? So when we say in this petition, deliver us from evil, that's actually a guard against and a recognition that there is something after us. There's something that, that we need to, to be delivered from. And, and I think sometimes there's a vein in Christianity that kind of ignores the reality of life. <laughs> and, and uh, well, no, everything's great now. And well, it's true, your life is hidden in Christ. And, you know, as, in Christ... You are safe for eternity, but at the same time, we have to understand, as uh, the old saying is, well, I'm secure in my salvation as long as I abide. Well, what does that look like, right? Well, that's really holding on to, that's why it's important that we say this, the Lord's Prayer every week, because the, the, the benefit of our Christian life is just caught up so succinctly in what we're praying. And so when we understand a little more, about what we're praying. We're like, no, wait, I, I need a deliverer. Uh, there is an enemy of my soul, and he is after me, and um, we don't like to talk about that, right? Because it's not always the devil made me do it. It's not always that. But it doesn't negate the fact that the devil is still you know, trying to nip at our heels, trying to ruin our testimony, trying to stop us from sharing the gospel, trying to make us feel like we're not secure in Christ, trying to make us all these things keep us from fellowship, keep us from reading our Bibles, keep us from praying, keep us from, you know, just fill in the blank. How about Ephesians six twelve? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. 
darkness of this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay. So when we say deliver us from evil, and then we look at Ephesians 6.12, what are we acknowledging? There's evil up in heaven. Okay. In the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It sounds to me like in, in America we would tend to uh, be laughed at by the government, newspapers, uh, that, that there is a, a, a spiritual warfare in, in a, princip a, a principality, a prince over a palady or an area. I was just thinking uh, if you went to certain areas, New Orleans or Frisco, they're known for certain things. I mean, if you wanted to go to a uh, party college, it would be Chico State. That no, not anymore. Okay. They, they've dropped in rankings. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I was going to say that, that uh, the society laughs at the concept that, that we, there's, a, there's different uh, areas of, uh, of authorities and uh, spiritual contact. That there are areas of opposition that are against you. And that you're just not going to go down in an air-conditioned pillow and everything is going to be hunky-dory. Mm -hmm. The underlying... Yeah, and the, and the world and our flesh want us to ignore the fact that we're in the middle of a spiritual warfare all the time. I don't like to think about that. I mean, right? I mean, that's no fun because, and, but how many of us, before we received the free gift of Christ, or even we had seasons in our lives where we're ignoring the Holy Spirit, where we didn't feel like accountable to anything, and we thought our life was carefree, and then we, then we, you know, received the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and now we're like, man, life is hard. You know, there's a battle going on. And I feel, you know, torn between, and so I always want to encourage us that if you feel that battle that's going on, that's actually a good thing, because it shows that you are, you know, uh, in the middle of Christian growth, in the middle of a Christian life, because if the if the the flesh or the world or the enemy is not, you know, pulling you away or feeling like it's tearing you uh, away from the Lord or something, you need to check and go, okay, well, why not? Now, it doesn't mean there's not wonderful seasons of relaxation and enjoyment and refreshing from the Lord, but we're in a battle. And again, Jesus is our deliverer. And so when we say deliver us from evil, it's even in the spiritual battle, Lord, he's won the battle, right? It's over. And sometimes we think we have to fight it, and that's when we get really torn up and turned around as we're trying too hard on ourselves. Instead of, wait, no, he's the only one that can deliver me from this. He's the one I've trusted for the forgiveness of all of my sins. So he's the one that vanquished the enemy, so we hold on to that. I think that's why it's really important for new Christians to make sure they understand that right away so they don't get knocked on their behind and wonder what happened. Mm. Uh, I think we don't we don't concentrate on that so much of taking care of those baby Christians that they understand there's a warfare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there is a benefit to you know seeing the the body of Christ come around and insulate, right? Mm -hmm. As a body of Christ, if we come around and insulate them, not so much you know like always warning them because I think them, it, well uh, you know that uh, how much warning will somebody go through before they go I don't want this right <laughs> but if yeah. we if we insulate them if we come around them and we're there for them then they're seeing this they're they're getting the strengthening 
right, of that training in this new life that Christ has given them. Yeah. So. Well, then I think even for one another and, and for definitely new Christians, but it's, it's are we investing in each other's lives? Are we investing in that moment, especially for a new believer? So when that attack comes, you're aware of it and you're able to walk with them through it and go, yeah, this is, you're in a battle. This is true, um, but Jesus is one, right? Always pointing them back to Jesus. And um, again, that's, that's, I think, the one thing I think that even the, the enemy wanted to use the pandemic for was to get us separated from one another. Um, technology gives us no excuse to some degree. I mean, we can be in contact with each other instantaneously for the most part. It's not the same, obviously, right? It's not the same as when we sit here together, when we go out to lunch, when we hang out together or something. But um, at the same time, the enemy wants us to think that we can do Christianity on our own. And God didn't save you to yourself. He saved you into a family, into a community of believers. Um, and so it's a lie to think that you can run this race on your own. You can't. Um, even, even the best tr trained athletes would never claim that they did it all by themselves. They had people along the way who who really helped them. Um, you know, in any profession that someone is successful in, if they're wise and if they're real, they recognize that other people help them get to where they are. So we need one another. Um, so before we read these verses, how would you define evil? And depending on what you say, we might not even need to go into films. But we will. <laughs> okay, anything against God? Any other definitions of evil, Connie? Well, I, I still kind of struggle with this. I don't really know if it is evil, but when you read the Bible, and you know, I already told you last week, sometimes I just get so upset and everything. Sure. Is that evil coming through? That, that you, I mean, because sometimes you really, you since I'm a new Christian, okay, sometimes I really wonder, do I, I don't understand sometimes, and before I became, read the Bible and everything, I was a lot happier, I really was, because Jesus was good, I didn't ever know anything of bad, and mm. um, so I don't know if that's evil coming through. Well, it's interesting that you say that, because if you think of Adam and Eve, um, they didn't know about the knowledge of good <clears throat> and evil until they were awakened spiritually because of their sin 
So when sin entered the world, they, they then had this battle, right? And so I think that, um, uh, that there is a battle for your attention and there's a battle for your soul. Um, the devil is not happy that you're in fellowship and at church and uh, you know, read, he's not happy you're reading the Bible, that's for sure. Um, is it evil to get frustrated and put the Bible aside for a time? That's a tough one. Oh, some other thoughts before I weigh in. Well, as you would say that the, that seems like it would be a, a natural consequence. You do have a license. Uh, if you go to the Psalms of David, pondering over there, I, I'm not saying he was a, had depression, but it seemed to me that you know there was times of wondering or maybe stepping away for a year that he did over there when uh, with his sin and, and, and God restoring him. But I was going to say that it's, it seems to me perfectly natural over there when you're been soaked with nothing in Christ and then you come over there and there's a law and, and you're picking up the you're picking up the word and you're trying to wear it. It is going to be heavy at the beginning. It is it is going to be different. And there's a place of coming into fellowship where the Holy Spirit is going to be guiding and strengthening because I don't know about you, but as a barbarian, you're you're right. It is painful. It is it's something over there getting your line lining up your life of saying, hey, you know, uh I am a liar to myself. You know, Steve, that wasn't all that bad. Yeah, it was. It missed the mark for what I want for you. And so basically, you line your life up. There, yeah. There's a way. There's a cost. I think some of the challenge that, if I'm hearing you right, Connie, that you've had is just reading of, it's almost the history of atrocities that you read about. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, and so I would say that some of that, yeah, because some of it you don't understand. Why would God say, go kill all these people, right? You know, and some of it is, mm -hmm is though it really happened, some of it, like you think of the Amalekites, um, God told Saul, King Saul, to go take care of them all, and he didn't. And so we see the Amalekites come up later, and they're a, they're a representation of us of, of, of sin, right? So we can look at it as a, someone in Christ, and okay, this is a great, uh, we'll call it allegory for us today, although it really happened. But um, go, wait a second, if we, if we don't allow if we don't obey and if we don't allow the Holy Spirit and all our faith to be in Christ who has finished everything for us, we'll screw up like Saul and not deal with all of the sins. So we need to put our trust in Christ and let him do that. Jean. In a lot of the stories too, the, you know, as you read the history, is God told them to do something, mm -hmm. whatever it was, but they never finished the job completely. And you know, that's when it came back to haunt. Yeah. One thing that really bothers me is that as Christians, we always say we should be on the outreach. We look, you know, we're, we're supposed to, you know, talk about God and welcome to the church and everything. Mm -hmm. Well, God's chosen people were the Israelites, and he really didn't seem to care much for anybody else. <sighs> so not exactly. And so when God gives all the promises to the Israelites... He always says, I'm going to bless all the other nations because of you. Always says that. In fact, when we see, when we look at the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt, we know through history and, and other ancillary um, accounts that there were actual Egyptians who, who came and, and fled with them um, because they allowed them to. They, they said, we want your God to be our God. We look at Ruth. 
and she she said that to um, to Naomi, she goes, You're, you know, uh, she was a Moabite. She goes, no, I, my God, your God's going to be my God, and I'm going to be with you. So that we see a, what would they would call a Gentile, right? Someone who's not, that God accepted them completely into the fold. And so that's always, God's heart for Israel was to preserve a representation um, of God in the world, in, in a way. Even, we could even go back to the garden and look at what did he do for Adam and Eve? You know, when they stood against him in, a, in, in disobeying him, he didn't smite them. He provided a way for them. And then when their son, then when their son. Hold on. What did you, what? Remember what he said? What he said, if he ate the forbidden, forbidden food, he was going to kill them. No. He said he'd surely die. Oh, he would surely would, die. Okay. If when you eat, he didn't say he would kill them. He said when you eat of this fruit, you you will spiritually. He's telling that. Well, but physic physically too, because at that point in time, death had not entered. There was no death in the world. Well, and then you even look at Cain and Abel, and how did God treat Cain when he chose to murder his brother Abel? He didn't right then just go, "You're done," you know. He he he's. You know, he get, he sent him off. And even protected him. And yes, and put a mark on him so that nobody would touch him to kill him. You know, so there is, a, we have a merciful God who his heart is not that any should perish. Right, but he it's, says that. It's, it's so, still hard sometimes, I agree with you, Connie, to go, wow, there's a lot of killing. <clears throat> there's a lot of mistreatment of people. And a lot of it is in the name of God. I mean, look at the Crusades. People went and killed Muslims in the name of Christ, and that was certainly not what God was wanting them to do. Uh, but we kind of messed it up. Carly, you had something to add. I think it's all a question about who is sovereign. I mean, I feel like I, I wrestled with that in the beginning when we think that we're so, we cannot understand the mind of God, and we read the things in the Bible and we think, wow, that wasn't fair, or gee, you're harsh. For one thing, he was continuing Israel and keeping them alive and moving them along and trying to keep them out of idolatry so that Jesus would be born. And Satan was constantly coming along trying to kill the Israelites so that Jesus would never be born. Mm -hmm. But the way that God does things, finally it occurred to me, who am I to question God? I read these things and I'm like, I'm think, God, maybe I wouldn't have done things that way, but I am not you. I'm not the creator. I don't understand the whole picture. And I'm going to stop questioning you then. But I'm going to trust you that you know why you did these things. And one day you'll explain to me if I need to know. But I quit fighting God in, with my own little puny will. And I say, God, you are sovereign. And what you have done... You'll talk about that. I'm sure you'll tell me later. <laughs> well, but I think even your even your heart, Connie, in why is this why is all of this evil happening and why is it so painful and so it just it hurts and it's you know it stirs up emotions in me that I don't like that I don't want to be angry I don't want to be you know hating people I don't want that that in itself is God created because He is love. What the Bible tells us in the in the Gospels that He is God is love, and so, you know, for you to even going through those emotions is that 
showing forth that, you know, we do, we battle with this um, life and death and mm. evil and, and good, you know. Pastor, and but Jean had her hand up. Uh, it seemed like uh, uh, 
God's retribution was, was almost indiscriminate. For example, killing the firstborn in, in Egypt, I believe that happened. Mm -hmm. It was one of the things that happened. Well, I mean, uh, a firstborn, what about those children? Were they damaged? Did mm -hmm. they deserve to die because of what was going on? You know, this, right. this stuff yeah. contradicts. It's contradictory. I mean, we, we have this, right? this, this mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. feeling about God and Christianity, but we, we see this other stuff that mm -hmm. have, has gone on, or is at least mm -hmm. documented in the Bible. Yeah. And it was, it, it, I'm with Kai, it's hard to understand something. Well, and, and I, think, I think you guys are both hitting on something, is, is even when we try to define evil, even when we try to define love, when we say God is love, can we really, do we really have the ability in a broken world, in a broken body, to, in a broken mind, to really understand love to the extent that makes us really uncomfortable, right? Because I understand, how, what about those firstborn? That doesn't seem fair. I mean, I'm glad Egypt, I'm glad well, they got out I of mean, Egypt, but I mean. I mean, supposedly you're born into sin, that's true, but. Uh, right, yeah. You know, in my mind, you gotta give a person a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harold? So, go back a little further. Uh, what was the flood? The mm -hmm. flood pretty much wiped out everything except for a fa an extended family, right? Mm -hmm. um, and children. Yeah, exactly, right? So God <laughs> basically, you might say, reset the thing. He tried to start over, and it, the same thing happened all over again. I mean, sin, sin was still there, mm -hmm. sin multiplied. Yep. Anyway, um, the book, Is God a Moral Monster? Mm -hmm. It's not here anymore, it used to be here. Oh, it's not up anymore? No, we'll get money to borrow it, that's fine. But I mean, I, I find that book pretty helpful in going through some of the Old Testament. It uh, doesn't answer any question, but it's, I think it's a pretty helpful mm -hmm. book in trying to Mm -hmm. parse out all of the things that were going on historically at the time, setting Israel apart and so on and so forth. Yeah. I found it interesting when, when Elaine was talking about bringing up the, the death of Bonnie's brother, uh, that was a sort of the exact same question. God is a, is God a moral monster killing the firstborn? But you have to remember that Moses came to him month after month. I mean, you're, you've got ten plagues, supernatural actions happening. It's, it's raining hail yeah. as the storm crops. But the, the bigger point is, after they go and they let the people, Pharaoh, after taking the firstborn, he comes up, it comes to his right senses of what he really wants to do. And then he wants to attack them from the rear. God holds them off supernaturally and then it's drowning in the Red Sea. What I'm saying is the heart is revealed that there are yeah, yeah, but I think that the struggle, Steve, is that the, the heart of Pharaoh incurred... Uh, swift judgment, if you will call it, upon what we would consider, um, though yes, born into sin, but innocent right. children. I think that, that that's, that's where we wrestle, right? Because um, we're like, wait a second, you know, so it's because of Pharaoh and because of, you know, the, the sins of the fathers, these kids suffer. Well, there's some, there's some truth to that, but also we know Jesus broke that cycle. Right. Isn't there, isn't there a parable today over there with abortion? Well, no, well, no, but again, so, but, but the, the, the challenge is this, though, Steve, not what we've done, 
to ba kill babies, but in this instance with the Egyptians, it was God right. who did it. And so, so, so you can't relate to me, no, I'll just say, you can't relate abortion and the killing of the children in Egypt as, a, as, as, as equal, because it's definitely a different thing that's happening there. So, Jean Carly. I thought we were going to get through all this. Is that <laughs> our Christians were recreated in the image of God and were given the heart of God. And as our heart breaks on hearing those stories, God's heart broke doing it. Yeah. They had nine chances, had nine chances to, to get it. So the real the real language there is God gave him over to his his heart's desire. Yeah. And so and so basically God quit working on his heart, quit say, saying, Okay, if this is what you want. This is what you. This is what you have. But again, I think it's still, and I, I don't disagree with all of you that he's given nine chances. But I still think the challenge that we have is, well, what about that three-day-old firstborn child that gets slain? Because of that's what we have to wrestle with, right? And and there are answers, and and I appreciate Harold what you said. There's sometimes I just go, okay. I don't understand. I need to set that aside. And there's a great saying, and, and nobody knows who really said it. I've heard different things. But, it, but it's, it's do not forsake what you do know for that which you don't know. And so we look at what do we know about God? Okay, what do we know about Jesus? We look at Jesus. We know all these things. And so these things that are really difficult for us, I go, you know what? What I do know about God is this. And so if I believe, and this is the big if, if I believe, as in First John tells us, that God is love, if I believe that, then somehow, some way, this action has a, a ramification of love that I don't understand, right? And so that's where, where we have to, uh, tie to Carly, that we were saying earlier, just go, okay, you, you know, this, this uh, was it De uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but that which has been revealed, those is entrusted to us. So we revealed things that we know, and we hold on to those. And these other things, there's still things I go, I don't know, but I know the nature of God in such a way, and he's proved himself time and time again, and I've seen him hold back things that should be happening in this world. Um, I've seen that enough to go, okay, God, you're, you are good. Ultimately, you are good. There are some days I wonder that. There's some days, I mean... Uh, that I just go, even in my own life, and I realize it's because I'm, you know, more selfish than I want to admit. So let's, let's look at these, a couple of these verses, since we all have some interesting thoughts about evil, right? But I think what we do agree upon is evil's real, and, and it's, in, it's there. So Genesis 2.9, let's see how God defines evil, or if it helps us at all. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so let's go to that garden account for a moment. Um, tree of life, 
knowledge of good and evil. Um, the reason that God kicked them out of the garden, because if they had eaten the fruit from the tree of life after they had sinned, they would have stayed in that sinful state for the rest of their lives. And they would not have had the opportunity to learn the sacrificial system and the provision of God. And so the knowledge of good and evil, here's the thing, they didn't know evil. In fact, if you really read that, they probably didn't even know what good was, right? Because that hadn't been defined yet. Because we would say then, if we look at this passage, that good then is good then the antithesis of evil and vice versa. Almost feels this way. It's where we get the, the that's where Eastern religions take the, the yin and the yang. There's this good force, bad force. You might hear, or, you know, I see that in Star Wars. You know, Jean. You said that if they ate from the tree of knowledge first, which gave them the knowledge of sin. Well, they sinned, yeah. Then if they were to eat from the tree of life, they would stay in that sinful state for the rest of their life. Is the rest of their lives their physical earthly life, or would that also have been all of eternity? Forever, all eternity, and that would have actually meant that anybody born out of them would have been stuck in that too. Because, I mean, if you look at it. So, I mean, again, there's a lot of... have a perpetual state, forever yeah. infinitely of what we have if you take it out to some interesting conclusion i mean it's still it's still a, a difficult thing to wrap our minds around but you know when we see god kicking them out of the garden you know like well, how rude <laughs> you know <laughs> and the curses but um he didn't want them to stay in that sinful state you know uh, he did you know again and that's why at funerals, uh, you realize often we were not wired to deal with death. We just don't know how to deal with it because God did not create us to deal with death. And so it, it's really a great indication for us to go, wait a second, how do I, I, I can't deal with death, you know, because X, Y, and Z. Um, we're just not wired to do it. How about 2 Timothy 4.18? The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at, at how the definition of evil here, right? There's a, again this, this contrast between the work of heaven and being delivered from every work of evil, right? Again, this almost antithesis of good, evil. Good and evil. Again, this is not a balancing thing. It's not like, oh, let's look at the scales and make sure there's enough good and enough you know, over the evil. It's not that, but there is an opposite function that we see here. Deuteronomy 4.25. We don't have a still there very often. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land, and act corruptly and make a carved image in, in, in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord, your God, to provoke them to anger. Okay. So what was the definition of evil in that passage? Okay. How? Act, acting corruptly and making carved images. So idolatry. 
right? Anything that, that's evil, idolatry is evil. So, Connie, I, I guess we're not, we haven't answered your question. Is it evil to get frustrated and set your Bible aside? I would say, I would say this. One thing that you encouraged me in when you shared that last week or the week before, whenever it was, is that you said, but I find myself two days later picking it back up again. Um, and so I would say that that's a wonderful process that the Holy Spirit is working in your life to help you and to draw you. Um, it's not comfortable. Growing is not comfortable. I mean, we had a, one, a, one of our kids, he had like a four or six inch growth spurt one summer and he developed excruciating pain in his shins. So he took him to the doctor. I mean, he, could, he barely walked. He was, what, 13, 12, 13? And, and he had what was called Osgood Schlotters, I think I pronounced Osgood that. Osgood Schlotters. And it was just this whole guy who researched that great growth spurts cause great pain, especially in the shin area because of, of how, it's, how fast, of how fast bones. those bones are trying to. And so, and so when we look at spiritual growth, it hurts. Um, and not to, he's not a great theologian, but it hurts so good, it, you know, and ultimately, you know, because now I know things that I didn't know before. I experienced things and got me to a place where like, okay, now I know God in a different way. Um, I still have a lot of questions about God. I think most of us will have questions about God until the day we take our last breath. Uh, even Harold Euling, 93 years old, grew up in the church, still vacillated for at least two weeks before, not the last two weeks. He was pretty sure the last two weeks. But two weeks before, he's like, man, I, I hope, I hope, you know. And so he was wrestling with that. And, and uh, it's not necessarily great news, but I mean, I don't. So I would say I don't think it's evil if you wanted an answer. I don't think it's evil. I think it's real. I think it's in, in our finite beings trying to wrestle and understand these things that, that we um, that are contrary to our broken world and our broken lives. Well, and I was going to say, Connie, too, I mean, the Lord is so good in his love and and in wanting you to know him that, you know, I think of countries where this is against the law and, and they can't have this. And so how do they know him? How do they know his love? How do they know about Jesus? And, you know, it's like God, while this is good for us to be in, <laughs> He, he's, he's not limited to that, you know. Um, we've talked about general revelation, how he's in creation, you know, we see him, so, and, and his goodness and his faithfulness. Steve, so. you got 30 seconds. Uh, real quick, I don't think Bonnie, his uh, mom was just said, uh, she said that whenever you get frustrated and you want to hang something up like that where you're angry or frustrated, asking God, say, God, is that really true? Can you reveal to me? You know, uh, I understand. I'm offended. I'm, I'm upset. Can you reveal to me what you're saying and doing? And like you said, when you pick it up two days later, you're just going. God brings it back to the Word because basically that's just going to explain itself somewhere. Or talk to pastor or someone that might have uh, been knowledgeable in there, and you'll be surprised the number of perspectives. It's a lot of pressure. Are you going to be offended at me at this? Yeah. Who, no, who it was, was it was to John the Baptist while I was in prison. Because Blessed is he who was not offended by this. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that, that there are just things. I mean, the disciples walked with Jesus, and they had not a clue. Amen. I mean, and even in the first church, you see anger and people miss. Just, <laughs> it's just crazy, Carly. 
man is just like a little weed, a little flower. We're here for a few days and then we're gone. And that's how God sees it. Let Sato's firstborn. We don't, their little lives were just beginning, but in a whip, the Lord took them to home, as far as we know, to eternal life. And we don't know what God is doing beyond the veil. And I think we only use a little small part of our brain. <laughs> we can't handle any more than a small part, so. <laughs> All right, let's pray. <laughs> yeah. And it's faith. Well, and it's yes. faith, right? And we, so we pray he like the disciples. Yep. He, and he does yep. love us, and we, we will all die one way or another. And so trust God what he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tough, no? I... If, you, if you doubt him and find him all the time and, and judge God, yeah. that's not a good thing, God. Yeah. <laughs> and belief comes through trust, right? Yes, it does. It grows. Well, but that's why we need each other to encourage one another. Yeah. anything until you trust him, and he goes, okay. Yeah. Calm down, little human. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, little human. I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip that off. Okay, Lord, thank you so much. Uh, Lord, thank you for the struggles. Thank you for the, the, uh, the good conversation, Lord, that challenges us to, to really wrestle with some things we don't understand. But Lord, it, 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 at the end of it, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, we don't have the ability to trust. We don't have the ability to have faith. We rely upon you to give that to us. And so here we are, Lord, with open hands saying, Lord, fill us up, increase our faith, give us trust, even when we can't in the things that we read or see. So thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll wrap this up next week, and then we have the conclusion. Um, That'll probably take us two weeks, but then we're going to jump into the Gospel of Mark through the summer. So I'm really excited about that. So, let's get to it, whatever we're doing now.